I apologise for the audio issues and also if there was any questionable cuts in this, only because um, while recording, um, we both had quite a few technical issues, so it might um, sound a little bit jumpy in various places. But hopefully you enjoy um, and just like it. Um, send us a voice message uh, and just enjoy the, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the God knows what episode of Vice to End This Is because I've lost count um, and I exist. Hello, I am Erica and I have a brand new guest with me today. So... Um, okay. Please introduce yourself. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Lou Jane. Um, I'm a 16-year-old writer from England, um, and I currently work as a social media executive at The Winner magazine um, as of this year. Um, so, yeah, I just do kind of a lot of writing stuff, submitting, and hopefully... Um... She's very knowledgeable in what she does. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we publish soon. Um, in a magazine, so keep out, keep a kind of an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if there is any, if if um, if if how do you pronounce your name? Uh, Lou Jane. Lou Jane. Yes. I'm gonna have to get used to that one. Um, (laughs) That's all right. It takes people time. Um, so if if you have any um social media, I will that you want to give me, um. I, mm-hmm. I will link it down below, and I'll also probably link down your uh, all of your various stuffs. Yes, yes, right. please do. I'll definitely send you that. So just inform me after the podcast, and that will be done. Okay, so great. thank you. Um, as you've as um, undoubtedly seen or heard, you should know how this goes by now. Mm-hmm. You've you've watched enough of the podcasts. You've listened enough. God, it's, it's um. I did. Uh, I've mentioned how my how I've had a failed YouTube career for the past. Oh God, uh, and the, the music career as well. So <laughs> I am so used to saying video, and I'm like, long you're doing a podcast, you idiot. <laughs> no, it's um, <laughs> So essentially, I am now going to ask you. Okay. Um, what you're reading at the moment. What I'm reading at the moment. Okay. Yep. Um. Well, I'm rereading. There's okay, so I, I'm I do find it kind of difficult to find new things I'm interested like new books I'm interested in just because I have quite yep. a specific taste. Um, but there is one book that I always go back to and it's non fiction and it's called um, The Examined Life. Um, oh, right, okay, so, and it's so it's basically this uh, psychoanalyst <clears throat> who kind of worked all through kind of the back end of the last century and he just, um, yeah, it's very interesting. He in every chapter he kind of talks about a different um case that he encountered and just the life okay. lessons um and morals that he took away from that just on a personal level and um yeah I just find it fascinating and I always find myself going back to it and I think people who've read this book are absolutely evangelical about it um and it's <laughs> that's your uh, that's yeah, your that's... daily blessing for your author for the week <laughs> yeah, yeah. um I just, but, do, yeah. Do, just have a shrine to them author author <laughs> um, okay that's a bit either you get the talk <laughs> yeah but um it's written by Stephen. i'm not sure how to say his last name but it's 
G-R-O-S-Z. So make of that what you will. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just... Stones? No, it's... I don't know. G-R-O-S-Z. I really don't know how to say that. G-O-R-S-Z. Yeah. Probably German or Russian or yeah. something. Um, something along those lines. But yeah, it's fascinating. And it's just... It's very kind of... I think there's so much you could learn from that book and I definitely recommend it to anyone who's maybe, you know, just looking for something really eye-opening to read. And um, yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment. Yeah, I mean, unlike me, I don't know whether you read a lot of fiction. I do. Um, it's, a, it's a common thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I've actually been... Uh, I, I ordered God knows how much from Waterstones this past <laughs> week. Waterstones, oh, I love Waterstones. for those... Uh, is the best bookshop in the entirety of the UK. Mm-hmm. And I've told numerous um, stories uh, over the marketing and publishing episode. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't looked at that, please go and, please mm-hmm. go and spend two, and, two hours and 15 minutes of your life <laughs> it's, uh, watching that. You can have it on in the background. I promise it's not yeah, as it's, infuriating as it sounds. It's, um, it's great for a background. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's beautiful. Thank you for uh, doing half my promo for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Um, also, on that note, please send in uh, anchor voice messages. My um, emails have oh. been very, very blank yes, recently, yes, yes. and I am, and I have a box of tissues here, <laughs> and I make it cry because oh. I don't have any messages. <laughs> I, <will. laughs> I like hearing from you. I like hearing from all of you. Please send them in. I need yes. them. I yes, need them to say something. Yes, yes, please fill up the inbox. God, I, God, God, I'm gonna have to have I'm gonna have to have you on again. <laughs> uh, not that anyone else has much to do during uh, you know, twenty twenty one. No, but that's one of the sad things about twenty twenty one and being locked down is like the joy of like just Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the 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 um I think it's such a such an underrated experience of going round. Um sorry. You go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. I'll I shut think up. it's so underrated because it's such a fun kind of like even when I mm. go out with my friends, we will just somehow end up in a bookshop and just be like looking around for ages. Yep. It's just so I don't know. I think I think there's just some I mean, I've spoken about how on this podcast um eventually physical books are going to sort of diminish oh. and ebooks are gonna say mm-hmm. yeah. but of course there is still gonna be a need for physical books Absolutely. because just because I'm positive they can find some sort of way of, I don't know, um, as much as I do not like book burning, I'm not saying burn <laughs> the books, I'm saying find somehow of some way of recycling, I'm sure with yeah. the amount of amazing stuff they can do, I'm sure they can find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know, there's such a kind of... I know on certain books they have a recycled cardboard or whatever it is. Lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't found that yet on, on most of mine. I mean, really annoying. That's absolutely the next kind of advancement, though, and I think that's such a romanticized idea of like having a tangible book. It's kind of like you know, like Polaroids and stuff like that, like just tangible things. And and like if you lose it, it's gone. And if you, you know, it's just Mm. there's something very kind of magical about that. I think it's just I think that's how it was meant to be consumed. And like I love online literary magazines and like online things like that because it's so convenient but there is such a beauty to like tangible books you do you do trade the convenience for um just looks mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> you, don't, you know you can't sort of yeah. um 
yeah, yeah. I mean, also, then if if digital books do become the norm, then there's no real point designing nice covers anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or sorry, or sorry, there isn't any 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 point designing nice back covers anymore because you're not going to see them. <laughs> no, that's um, I think because I I've designed all of the Burning Throne cover myself. Oh wow, that's... Um, and you. You've seen that cover, mm-hmm. and I personally think it's beautiful. I, I completely but, agree, and that must have been so um, kind of an experience to make that. Oh, yeah. mm, I mean, I I just I really like sort of like um, Victorian um, old bookshelves. Uh, mm-hmm. I lived I live um, quite near a National Trust place. Mm-hmm. Uh, National Trust for those people who don't know is a is a um, I think it's a non profit yeah. which. Um, deals with the conservation of historical sites mm-hmm. um, within the UK, and they are very, very. Uh, actually, I mean, the houses are nice. Not that I particularly like going around them, but the house houses are really nice. I just, um, I, I do, I do play quite a lot of piano in my spare time. Okay, I know, and. Um, I I just really like playing on those like giant concert pianos in the middle mm-hmm. of um in the middle of those uh, like rooms and everybody just looks at me like what the hell <laughs> what the hell is this going on? I I don't understand this. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. It's so exactly just things like that, like old timey things are just. I think I think it's just a love for what is like the norm mm-hmm. it's, it's especially because within the world situation uh, right now everything is everything is fucking up in the air yeah. we don't know what you know we won't we won't know what's up and down and yeah exactly what left is right etc etc there's a real so um, um, oh sorry there's a no no you have go ahead. <laughs> i think there's a real kind of detachment from the way things from kind of the natural course of things you know i mean like there's just at the moment yeah and so there's a real like yearning to reach back into those kind of natural mm. the natural way of doing things and like it's almost like exactly. nostalgia for a time that you weren't around in if you know what i mean but you were alive and it. it was just two almost a year ago now which is oh. terrifying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we'll get it back we'll get it back <laughs> um then I end of this year we'll be fine. I'll go to uni and it'll all be it'll be good. Yeah. Um, Manifesting it. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I am also really really liking it. Mm-hmm. But I am um, for this moment actually reading Concrete Rose by Andrew Thomas. Okay. Who is a, a really good author? Mm-hmm. Actually, I I mean I'm not I'm not going to say that she's as good as Derek Landy, but she's certainly got elements which are oh, wow. really really good. I the way she writes. Is incredibly um, just um, nice to read. Mm-hmm. Is she sorry? What what's the author's name again? Just trying to. Um, it's Angie Thomas. Is she the one who wrote uh, that really big? The hit you give. give yeah. Is that? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. I never actually got around to reading that, it's, but it was absolute like a hit. It is really good. Mm-hmm. I did a. Um, I did a giant, uh, well, I said giant review on it. I did a sort of review on it, so oh. I actually really, really liked it. That's um, so. That's on my blog. If you want to go and have a look at it, yes, uh, everyone do. <laughs> you can you can through my questionable 
blog posts, I guess. Like, yeah, oh, I mean, they're not questionable as in content. They're just questionable as in I post them whatever the fuck I want. Fair enough. I mean, it's your blog. It's not like it's, it's not like I am a oh I because I find I find this is actually something more a me thing I reckon. But um, it's more the idea of if you're not doing anything, you're wasting time. Um, oh. as in you know. Not to get incredibly philosophical here, but um, only have a li- you know the whole oh, you only have a limited amount of time on this earth and taking breaks from whatever mm-hmm. is bad because it's not put- because you're not being productive and la 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 and I get so wow. sucked into that mm-hmm. and sort of like you know almost I'm not doing anything right now I'm not doing anything oh, wow. ah that's what am I doing very kind of that's so existential not- like that yeah. constant awareness of doing of doing nothing and just being it's a it's a it's a a sand timer which is ironically why i write death (laughs) because it's it terrifies me Mm -hmm. um i mean i mean the worst thing about it is i'm is i'm not even 20 yet no isn't that so like it's just strange Mm. i i do get a sense that during your teen years everything is obviously so kind of it's so dramatic and every feeling so heightened that like we're so existential. It's like a it's like a YouTube drama. Exactly, it's such a melodrama. Um, but kind of, I think I get the sense can, that um, yeah, when you kind of grow into yourself and into just your situation, I feel like that kind of ebbs away slightly. Like I feel like that all fades away because when I speak to like adults, mm. that's not that never seems to be something that's bothering them. I I think that's just kind of no, exactly. yeah, like a, a product of like boredom and lockdown and like being a teenager. It's- it's, it's not only a product of boredom, it's more I want to get so much done mm-hmm. and I only have a limited time to do it yeah. sort of thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was uh, I was 13, trolling on the internet, finding out about rocking chair regret. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the idea that when you're 90, you look back on your life and think, shit, I haven't done it. Yeah, no, I get um, it. It's just... And it's like, I don't want regret mm-hmm. what I could have done. Of course, of, of course... I need, I need I need to preface this by saying that taking self care days and mm-hmm. all the rest of it is very important. You should do it. Do not burn yourself out, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have I have one really really big mantra, specifically within academic because I do a lot of um, academic work. Yeah. I'm I'm taking my A levels now for context, mm-hmm. and um, what right they are. We're <laughs> um, oh, no. gonna have a lot of fun. Um, your but essentially, um, I have now. What have I done? Were you going to mention your life mantra? Oh yeah, um, the just don't don't overwork yourself. Don't don't break yourself for 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 a thing of a bit of paper. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, that's really all your life. This is going to sound incredibly demeaning, and I don't mean it to, but um, yeah, I think all your li- that's very important. Imagine your life. Imagine your life achievements is on a bit of paper for a second. Right? Oh. <laughs> they don't give a shit about how long you've spent on those life achievements. Just that they're on the paper. Yeah, it could fit on a post-it note. That's the concern. Exactly. Really you can't. You know. Well, well yeah, but. You and I both are. You, we're we're not in our twenties. No, you know, yeah. teens aren't on. I I hate this mantra of sort of teens are shit because they don't know anything. And I'm like, 
well, hang on. If teens don't know anything, then... Um, I mean, I think that's... Why are some of the... Why are, you know, some of the most influential people at the moment teens? Yeah. And also, like, who's running, like, so many things? Who's running fashion, the fashion industry, the music industry? Like, who is... It's... Do you know what I mean? Like, who's the driving kind of... Yeah. Um, it's this idea... I think it's this idea of kids are stupid mm-hmm. and adults are uh, a sort of, you know, the the people who know what they're doing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know where you get my... I, I mean, I've I've always quite liked older people myself. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's horrible, but like older people that I am, like an old soul. Because I just I, I, I just I just find them more interesting to talk to. I find like people younger than me really annoying. <laughs> may, may, maybe just maybe like, like not in a like thirteen year olds. I I just I feel so far removed from them. Yeah, even no, though I there's only like a decade and a half between us, mm-hmm. and I'm like. God, I was so cringy as a fourteen-year-old. Fucking hell! No, I, I completely get that. I think it's also just like because <laughs> it was, it was, you know, when I was fourteen, I was going through a giant <laughs> friend drama thing. But... Oh God, um, the 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 signed of um, whole girl drama, except between what I was then as a cis male, um, happened. <laughs> so you know, it's just very like. I mean. Like, even now, when yeah, I go look back in, like, a year, I'm going to be like, that was so cringy. And, like, I've just kind of... Mm. And I'm someone who, like, when I cringe at something, like, it completely consumes me. It's got to be pretty bad. Like, it's... Or I can't take any level of cringe. If something's cringy, I will look away. I can't look... Like, if I cringe anything, it's just very extreme, volatile emotion for me. So that's kind of, like, confusing to navigate. But I just kind of realise, like, mm. no matter what, I'm going to think everything's cringy because I'm a teenager. So just accept it. And and, and 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 at the end of the day, it's also like a sort of idea that everybody is honestly like incredibly fucking cringy in their teens. Yeah. Because and it could be worse. We could have like you, you get you you've got like exams. You've got pressure of finding out who the fuck you're meant to be, which yeah. is process, you know, yeah. You've got you know so much other stuff on top of it mm-hmm. that you're then expected to find out who you are and i'm like i know it's it it's just a lot okay, on, but it's i don't know i think it's just i don't know i really don't know <laughs> it's just a very kind of mm-hmm. it's just melodramatic that's all i can really put it down to is everything is melodramatic. yeah yeah I love this. This isn't the normal work uh, oh, uh, yeah. on the podcast. I love how it's like, you know, going from books to existential philosophy <laughs> to how fucking can be a teenager, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that isn't a reflection of anyone listening to this because I understand most of my audience is under the age of um, 20. Okay. So I'm sorry, guys. Um, the demographic. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah Spotify analytics. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, at least but, none of us live through like the horrors of MySpace or anything like that. So, I I think that's kind of something we have to be I grateful mean, for because it could be worse. I mean, yeah. I mean, you and I were born in the years of MySpace of being born, mm-hmm. so we couldn't have, yeah. uh, you know, unless expect like a two year old to be there. <laughs> Email. <laughs> but we have like Twitter, which is arguably more embarrassing because it's like not just pictures; it's like your thoughts, and like it's so yeah. invasive and like. I don't know, but I, I think Twitter's going to end up being some kind of like relic for future me. 
that's why I'm so attached to myself. I mean, I haven't, po- I, I haven't, I mean, I, I first pretty questionable shit to my, well, I say questionable shit to my Twitter. It's, it's more like, hi, um, I wrote today or hi, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very fucking gay. You know, it's just, it's just a goldmine for me to look back on. Exactly. And grab a like and hit myself with. I will like write stuff in my notes or like tweet something or whatever, and, and look back at it like a week later. I'm like, when did this happen? Like my um, Twitter drafts <laughs> are like terrifying because I don't know who wrote them or when or why. Like, I, there's no context. It's just like, <laughs> like I just have one that's just like. Eric Clapton sucks, or like John Lennon, <laughs> like John Lennon wasn't an idiot, or just like random like sentences, and I'm like, when did this happen? <laughs> you're just exposing yourself. You're just exposing yourself on a podcast <laughs> now. Everyone, but I mean, <laughs> you signed yourself up for it. I'm sorry, but it, Eric Clapton turned out to be anti-lockdown, and John Lennon was abusive. So I'm sorry, everyone, but fight me. Okay, yeah, and, and I think I think, I think like. <laughs> My comment on the whole COVID situation oh. at the moment is anyone who's anti-lockdown can go just... Yeah, let's just... This isn't the question This science, is not an anti-lockdown safe space. Please leave. Thank you. No, no, no. This is a... We... 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 We know the we know why it's needed, but we don't particularly like being in lockdown. But we would rather be in lockdown than being dead. Exactly. That's, this is where we stand. I would rather... I would rather sit in my house... And read books mm-hmm. and play games and write compared to being di- dying on a fucking ventilator. So yeah, no, I, I I'm with you, and I hope everyone agrees because yeah, I mean, if you don't, please um, send me a voice message <laughs> and rage at me for a minute. I will proceed to uh, possibly feature you on the podcast and fucking roast you because <laughs> I would love to see that. Please let me know if that happens. Yeah, you would love to see me just recording a segment of. How dare you? Just anti-lockdown people. I'm bullying though. To be fair, it's 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 taking the piss out of somebody who thinks science isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> These people think science isn't real, and I'm like, well, uh, um, educate yourself. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Just in the least wherever, just educate yourself. I think also, um, just yelling at them on the internet seems like the natural progression of things. Personally. I just think that's... Yeah, I mean, I'm Twitter. Pardon? Twitter, oh. Twitter is literally a yelling ground for political opinions at this point. Someone said someone said Twitter was the um, smoking area of social media, and I've never seen anything so accurate. I mean, it is. It absolutely I mean, it is, is, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> it's so it's like a... random. In It's like a... Is, is Boris Johnson tweeting out how good the nation's done and everybody else on Twitter saying, you sure about that? <laughs> and there's so many sides of it. Like, it's like TikTok in that, like, mm. you can be on, like, British, like, Twitter. You can be on, like, hyper-specific. Honestly, right? As, yeah. Quite honestly, as long as I'm... Sorry, I keep on interrupting you. I feel no, horrible yeah, now. Fine. But um, considering I just hate straight TikTok with a vengeance... Yeah. No, me too. It uh, makes me feel physically. So, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, j- j- just as uh, imagining me as male does. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I think everyone who refers to me as a male will. Uh, um, end up on straight TikTok. 
<laughs> I, uh, that's a punishment. Yeah. I will banish that. I will banish you to straight TikTok. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you will. <laughs> I'm very sorry for mentioning you to straight TikTok. But um, I really, really wanted to um, sort of promo a book. Mm-hmm. I, I just read like four pages of today, which is um, You Are Trans Enough by Mia Violet. Okay. I love it. Because it's essentially a memoir looking at her, because she's a bi-trans woman. Mm-hmm. Like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel better with this book. But um, essentially, it's a non-fiction piece. It's a memoir, which essentially recounts her transition from what I understand. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, and I love it. What's the kind of writing because... style? Um... Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, it's actually quite humorous. I'll just read you a little extract. Mm-hmm. My name is Mia and I'm a trans woman. I originally started writing this book because I was sick of seeing so much information and lies about my community. As much as I love the introduction, I'm going to skip. Okay. To first page, because that's more of a writing style compared to anything else. I was born in Northern England at the close of the 80s. First child in a fairly conventional family. My dad was working in an emerging IT industry. While my mother let the financial sector raise me. Then our dog, who arrived later, and from the outside we looked like a stereotypical heteronormative nuclear family. Mm. That's um, that's the sort of taste in the writing style. Yeah, I feel like that kind of personal is writing style is just one of the most kind of captivating, um, for me at least. Um, I think I think if you shove a bit of humour in there, I think it works mm-hmm. well. It's just you need to be careful of like trying to badly make it funny. Oh, if no, you know what I mean, yeah. it's like relatable, yeah. um, like, relatable like like jokes, Facebook meme. Kind the second die, it's like yeah. no, exactly. I'm like I said, hypersensitive to cringy things. I can't read like a page of that. Like I make. I make a lot of jokes about Twitter, which are probably going to be ancient in like <laughs> two years. Oh, that's um, so sad. They're just humour. I I have very very questionably bad humour. <laughs> I, I I have bad humour because roasting yourself. In, if I don't roast myself, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good coping mechanism. Fair um, enough. Do what you have to do. Yeah. Know. I mean, as I've said. As I said, I, th- I think it was either to you or on a on an earlier uh, podcast. If I if I make fun out of myself, then no one, yeah. nobody can make fun out. Sorry, exactly. So it no no no. I I like it when people finish my sentences. It means that they actually listen to what I say. <laughs> no, but that's that's a very <laughs> no, kind of accurate sentiment of yeah. like if you make the joke first and if you make it better than anyone else, then you know it's just exactly. and it can't in it. And, and you know, I I I I, I put like a a, um, a fucking roast a joke roast me post on my um, music social media account oh. once, and it was quite literally um, filled with me filled with like bad memes, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I've already these jokes. Come at me again, please. <laughs> People, they're nice enough, yeah. but like they can't roast. I'm like, if if 
if if somebody says for you to roast them, at least make them good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's something almost more insulting about a bad insult. Exactly. If you insult me badly, then I'm just going to laugh at mm-hmm. it because. But it's like you can't even put in the creativity but... and the energy to like roast me well. You know what I mean? It's just lazy. Like my, my my big big, you know, trigger point is any like trans non-binary like anything assaulting. Mm-hmm. Um, sexuality yeah. or gender identity then i'm uh, i'm gonna get right i'm gonna get i i, I believe rightfully so pissed absolutely and just things um, like like person because just as an extension of that, if i say for you to roast me if i say for you to roast me i don't mean attack my identity, degrade my yeah. gender identity. Mm-hmm. exactly and just um you know i feel like that definitely extends to things like obviously like just race and like religion just things like that it's just mm. off limits and that's definitely you can make you, uh, you can you can make jokes about anything. Well, but most, you, know. you need to do it tastefully. Yeah, I think a great part because... is just hunt, hunting out MAGA people on Twitter and then just really unleashing. I haven't. I, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Um, you haven't gone had... gone with the. Uh, Have you the whole MAGA thing? The joy no, of I've doing been... that. It's so no, fun, and then I have, I've had like a, I've just blocked people afterwards because I just this is not space for you, love. What are they? Mind me ask. Um, like nothing. <laughs> just like maga. I don't know what to call them. Yeah, I've got no idea what they oh, are. Fair enough. <laughs> Who? Maga. Maga. Oh, maga people. As in. Wait, sorry. I think you were breaking up. You. You were just saying something about um, trolling MAGA people on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what these what these people are. Wow, I love that for you. Really, truly living in 2014. I wish I could go back and just um, just get those years. If I feel particularly up to it, uh, that might be something I I look up one day. But I'm probably not going to. If it's if it's if it's if it's so bad that you get incredibly triggered by it, I'm gonna stay all well away <laughs> from it. Yeah, no, Trump uh, supporters are the worst. It's absolutely disgusting. But oh, Trump, Trump supporters. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Got there in the end. Um, no hate to Trump supporters. I'm sure you're moderately nice people, uh, and I don't mean to infringe hate on you. I don't know about that. But um, but you know uh, the whole um. It, the whole thing that happened oh. uh, before um, on on the on the sixth um, of Jan- on the sixth of January twenty twenty one was that yeah little bit um, Ta- not very tasteful of you um, no um, no not very tasteful this is this is now the uh, writing and political <laughs> podcast it seems. we've we've talked <laughs> about everything but writing I love that <laughs> yeah but you know at the end of the day this. this this is what I like about these kinds of podcasts, though, to be honest, is the natural chat mm-hmm. compared to like regimented, scripted yeah, yeah. sort of everything else. I just don't enjoy scripted. And you can tell when it's when something's scripted mm-hmm. in which it really doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. It's like listening to like, an ad read. You can tell it's scripted on a podcast. And you just have to skip past it because it's just it's infuriating. Like, Hello. <laughs> Hello, uh, I want to advertise X Y Z to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what it does. Um, 
and there's no, and there's never any background music or anything, and, and they <laughs> never make it creative. And it's like, hi, I am reading a script. Yeah, no, it's just, I don't know. It kind of gives me like ten-year-olds in drama flashbacks. You know what I mean? <laughs> ten-year-old in drama. I have a, I have a funny story about GCSE drama actually, <laughs> in which. I just sat up there while the man did did, did the lighting because I have a visual impairment. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's my GCSE drama experience. So I took the exam. I I was told in the practical I was going to get an A, and just I ended up with a C. <laughs> I don't know, uh, so I'm like, I must have either I'm I must have either done shit at the exam mm. or failed the practical. Oh, I'm like, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to take hair level drama, so it didn't really affect me that much. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, uh, I got a grade to do psychology. I'm happy. So yeah, no, that psychology is really interesting. That's well, that's a good path. Yeah, I mean, actually, you you do need to know a little bit of psychology to be a good writer, I reckon. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. it's knowing how people work, and if you yes. don't know how many how people work, you know. You can't make good characters, can you? Yeah. Realistically, this is going a lot into characterization, but I think it's valuable to talk Definitely. about. And it's so it's fascinating. Like I think a lot of people underestimate the um, importance of like studying English at school. Um, like I think people just think mm. like you only need it if you're going to be like a writer or whatever. But um, I just you don't exactly. It's just because so, I think it's just because life skills, like social skills, and I feel like people who don't mm. recognize that it speaks to kind of not a great understanding of like social just you know interpersonal connections and stuff like that because there's so much to take away from it like Mm. understanding people why they do things and like their like motives and just like connections there's just so much that goes into it it's also how it's also how language um um sort of informs the choices you make Mm -hmm. as well because i mean i i I for context do a level english (laughs) which is actually quite fun Mm -hmm. And um, so we, you know, it's it's all about English as a study is all about understanding how language and mm-hmm. you know the the society around yeah. it, this specifically in literature, but the society around it inform the language choices mm-hmm. they make. Because I can now I can now look at a, look at a news report, look at the whole hyperbolic language and i'm like is it really that is it really like yes, that's so true you know, it really improves to the extreme that they're doing it i'm not saying you know i'm not saying things like going back on the covid mm-hmm. topic covid isn't serious and it's not something we need mm-hmm. to you know take seriously and we need to you know follow all the medical um precautions and social precautions and everything that they're telling us to do until they until we're told it's safe yeah but i'm also then thinking well really Really, it's 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 bad. Don't get me wrong, but how, you know, how, you know, severe is it? As in, like, because obviously, a way the media the media has now turned into much more of a how can we get clicks compared to actual journalism? Yeah. I don't know whether you'll whether you'll agree with me on that. Yeah. But of course, I'm not saying with things like COVID and things like you know, uh, BLM. Uh, protests, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the murder of George Floyd, for example, and what have you, that is not important and that is not something that should be discussed and it's not, not something that should be heeded and in COVID's case, you know, follow the fucking guidelines yeah. and do all the, everything the government is telling you to. Mm-hmm. Um, do Are you kind of saying that 
they they should approach topics with more integrity or yes because I, exactly, I can exactly what i'm saying that, i'm not i can tell i'm you. not saying you know you don't you you shouldn't you shouldn't blow it out the water you shouldn't you 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 shouldn't um like like make it make it as such the world is ending mm-hmm. but you also shouldn't underplay the severity of it yeah I see if that you mean, makes like, sense fairly representing, which i think you know things like which that. i think is something the british media which while it has its faults it's a lot better than the american one yeah absolutely um yeah because Amer- um, the issue with american media specifically is that you will see something and it'll be breaking news breaking news mm-hmm. breaking news breaking news and i'm like how much news is really breaking? Yeah, no, I think it just really goes hand in Thanks. hand with the kind of sens- sens- sensationalized. Um, just everything in America is so because I think partially to do like it's like a young mm. country compared to most of the world and stuff like that. It's just very, it's just kind of a hyper speed compared to the rest of the world. I think, and it's, that really comes through in their journalism mm. and what they choose to consider as breaking or not because there's kind of somewhat of a low standard of what's breaking. It's- which obviously isn't always the case because some things are very obviously important and they need our attention, but not everything, you know, does. Mm. I think, I think um, Russell Howard does an amazing job at really, really hammering this home. He did a, um, he's a comedian mm-hmm. for context, and he did a sketch on how the US covered the Ebola outbreak in what, 2014 now? Yeah. I think. Um. And how the UK did it. And unsurprisingly, the US, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. I'm like, really? I understand it has, I understand it had the possibility to become a yeah. pandemic and all the rest of it. I think, but, you know, there's a, like, the UK handled it a lot calmer than the yeah, US did, absolutely. which, which, which I guess, I guess, I, I guess the entire point of what I'm trying to get across is don't, explode the situation out of proportion but also inform people what they need to know yeah. no I, I get what you mean and don't underplay the situation but don't overplay it yeah. either and i think I, th- I think especially because i don't know who's listening to this and i don't want to give the wrong impression mm-hmm. i don't want to say the mass media is bad but i also don't want to say say it's like the most amazing thing ever because it does have its faults and everything has its faults nothing's perfect mm-hmm. but it's in my opinion, it's significantly better than what they have in the US. Absolutely. Because I if think... I was in the US at the moment, I would be shit scared. <laughs> yeah. But the irony is And I'm like... already shit scared in this country as it is. Yeah. And I think the irony is that like America takes things like that, uh, you know, when like, it's like overseas or whatever, to such a massive, you know, breaking news and, and just such chaos. But when it comes to COVID in their own country, half mm. the country denies its existence in the first place. And like that really just mm. I think journalism is just your job is to portray things accurately and to like you're the middleman you're speaking to the people like you ha- you're meant to have a kind of rapport with your um like a really close rapport with your audience and with your yeah, audience exactly like there's a level of trust there and once you betray that i think that's really when you use your integrity as a writer and just i think also know. um there's an issue with the bbc specifically and the BBC is great, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, in certain aspects. Their shows and whatever, I love yeah. them. Killing Eve is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think there's a larger issue wherein they say things like, um, if they want a, um, I think it's like the equal, equal um, voices or something along those lines, mm-hmm. wherein if they want to have somebody for, 
someone um, from a um, a trans uh, background, mm-hmm. they need a transphobe from the other side. And I'm like, oh, yeah, or no, because transphobes are trying to, this would be so much more effective if uh, there was a webcam on me at the moment, but transphobes are trying to push us down. They're trying to say, no, no, mm-hmm. no. And, I'm, and, 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 you know, yeah, and trans people that's... like myself don't need any more of that. Absolutely. We, yeah. We're already, well, well, yes, the government is actually finally understanding our existence by, you know, piloting a few extra gender clinics and what mm-hmm. have you, which I thank them for doing and creating um, various courses to yeah. um, try and understand um, specifically the surgery options for trans transmasculine people. Mm-hmm. Um and I thank them for that, for the transmasculine people. And that's amazing. And I thank them so much for actually listening and doing something about it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, we don't need any more harassment yeah. and fearing for our lives. I think... Than oh, sorry. We already have, if that makes sense. I don't want to come off as like a, oh, I'm a <laughs> kind of person, but I'm more... No, I think you have... I take, I take the view that... You have like every... I take the view that... Sorry. <laughs> I, I take the view that if you're messing with my life, I have a I have a right to be concerned. Yeah, and I have a right to resent all of the um, the people who are making issues yeah, and decisions. What, exactly, people who are making my life harder for no fault of my own. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we go back to the whole trans thing, I you know. <laughs> People don't wake up. Every, I, I was discussing this exact thing on my uh, last podcast mm-hmm. with a with a um, trans person, mm-hmm. and we we essentially both came to the conclusion that realistically they shouldn't make our lives any harder than they already are. Yeah, because um, I'm I'm probably going to split this up and put it into a random segment. But um, for now, trans you know being trans in the UK is hard. I guess to say. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's... Because, because of course, and I'm sorry I keep on interrupting you here, no, but it's, it's, this is it's so much a sort of, you have to go through five million things. You have to go through a GP appointment. You have to go through this. And I'm not saying that it's bad. And I'm not saying mm. that, you know, we shouldn't check people. We should be like America and you don't have to have a, a dysphoria diagnosis to be trans mm. and all the rest of it. Because in my opinion... You are trans if you have gender dysphoria. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. a medically diagnosed. I'm not saying you have to have the medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if a, you know, if a medical professional deems you to have gender dysphoria mm-hmm. and you are then in... I'm, I, I need to be incredibly careful here because I don't, I don't want to come across as a sort of person who sort of says i police your identity because yeah no. i don't but i but i i, I heavily believe in science mm-hmm. i think the issue comes where you look at so so many um kids under 18 and you see that you know the the waiting lists are three four five years in some cases and i and i'm just thinking why yeah i understand we don't have a funded i i know i understand that um there isn't enough money to fund yeah. you know all services and provide everything to all people 
but you need to try and at least make your citizens heard. Mm-hmm. And you need to at least try and make those trans people, of which there are millions in the UK, heard and put, require care for them. Because the um, the whole Travis stock industry isn't, you know, it was deemed poor, I think it was, by, um, by the people who assessed it. Mm. And I'm just thinking, I understand... Um, the strengths on the system and I understand that they can't you know provide amazing care and they can't do all of this and they can't you know be amazing and they can't you know save everybody's lives and yeah you know they can't do they're doing everything they can with such a limited budget Mm -hmm. and I applaud them for that but what I don't applaud them for is well it's not it's not the Travis stock because the Travis stock you know they they're just working within the limits they have but specifically the government for not paying enough attention to trans people and also the media sort of you know pushing them to the pushing us to the side and saying those trans people Mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking well hang on if i'm meant to have a transphobe trying to invalidate existence of the of my brothers and sisters Mm. why the evident fuck should i you know yeah um sort of stand for that and i don't yeah i don't i i understand the importance of having equal voices and i understand the importance of getting both sides of the story but we're so with with an oppressed minority such as trans people yeah and i think you need a middle you need a ground that says on this issue in particular no yeah because they are so oppressed and it's so hard to get medical treatment and it's so hard to get it and you know you have to wait so long and you know the 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 the, the, the rates that you know people are ending their own lives is, mm-hmm. is yeah, staggering oh. because they can't get the care they deserve because they didn't choose to be to to be trans they didn't choose you don't I, I, I want to dispel this narrative that says you know trans people just decide to wake up one day and be trans mm-hmm. you don't yeah. i don't i i don't know how much clearer i can make this to transphobes but i didn't fucking wake up and decide you know what i want to be a woman mm-hmm. i didn't decide i as a you know i as a trans person have i as a trans woman specifically have as such you know and, and trans men too they also have such a hard time because we have to constantly think well i might be murdered today i might be murdered tomorrow mm-hmm. i might be murdered i might be murdered i might be killed you know you know i might be murdered in a hate crime i might be this i might be that you know yeah. i might not get the medical care i need I, you know i'm i might this i'm not you know yeah. and and dealing with this and dealing with that and dealing with 500 other things and dealing with all the world's uh, you know pressures and you know also being trans on top of that mm-hmm. and also being part of a already oppressed minority within a minority mm-hmm. it is yeah so difficult and i just i don't know how i can much you know, how i can sort of say to, 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 to all those people who think trans people are somehow wrong and wrong or somehow invalid or somehow you know they shouldn't exist or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know how i can sort of explain that. convey yeah, that in relative terms we are not we don't want to radi- radicalize anyone we don't want to make your kids trans we don't want 
to sort of make anyone have, you know, feelings of dysphoria. We don't want anyone to hate themselves. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I would, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. Yeah. Oh. I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't wish dysphoria on anyone mm-hmm. because it's horrible. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I just don't want this continual narrative of, and whilst it's getting better, mind you, of. Uh, the, the narrative for trans people is getting better than that against, but the whole idea of exposure to trans people is going to make your kids trans, or exposure to minority group is going to make your kid a part of a minority mm-hmm. group. That isn't how sexuality and gender work. That isn't how I. That isn't how any person works. And if you just listen to us, mm-hmm. you will finally understand that. One, we didn't wish to this because I didn't, you know, I don't, and no, and no other trans person decided to wake up one day and think, you know what, I, I want to hate myself. I want to worry about whether I'm going to get medical care. I want to worry about this, that, and the other. I yeah. want to worry about five hundred and fifty other things. I want to constantly be anxious. I want to constantly, be, constantly hate myself. I want to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Nobody thinks that. I want to find it hard to take a fucking shower. I want to, you know, find it hard to get dressed every day. I want to find it hard to get Ugh. out of bed in the morning because I fucking hate myself so much. It's all these little things yeah. that cis people and, you know, um, cis people specifically take for granted. I mean, this might be a bit personal, but have you ever found it hard to, you know, hard to take a shower? Have you ever found it hard to get dressed, for example? No. Sorry if no, I'm no, going a bit too fine. deep. I think that's a... Uh... That's but, obviously a struggle that's very unique um, to the community that, frankly, I'm not part of. So it's, mm. you know, but I, I, and I think, do kind of just send, you know, like just sympathy. And I think it's so hard for, you know, you as a cis person mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all, all, all the other cis people watching this or listening to this rather won't understand. And that sort of. I don't want to, they won't understand the pain and struggle of having dysphoria because they won't. No, I think you know, that's... they don't have a mismatch. Mm, that's they don't have a mismatch between their physical sorry, they don't have a mi- they don't have a, a, a misalignment between their mm. physical um biological sex and their their gender identity. Yeah. That's something you, you know, know that... they don't you know they don't they don't look in the mirror and think You know what? I I just I just think it's you know it's it's so hard for you know me specifically. You know I get oh, I have to I, I I can't really look in the mirror mm-hmm. because it's it's so bad. Yeah, no, that's awful. And I think you know so, sorry to go on a giant uh, no, tangent. No, 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 absolutely, but it's fine. I mean, this is your podcast. This, this is what you have but to it's, say. Just, it's, it's just it's just it's fucking ridiculous mm. that. I'm the, you know, not not me. I'm not trying to make this about me specifically. I'm trying to make this about, mm-hmm. you know, everyone within the community. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I can't sort of, I don't, I, although I've tried for the past 11 or so, or so minutes, um, <laughs> no, no. I can't really put into words the struggle. Yeah. No, I, I completely recognise how much I just... I just want to be able to be normal and perceived as normal mm-hmm. because it's it's a 
it's a desire which I want. Sorry, it's a it's a it's a thing I once had. It's you know. Yeah. It's it's a thing that I you know it's a thing I once had. It's not it's not it's not a luxury I get anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I completely recognise that that's not something that I'll ever you know be able to fully understand or grasp because that's not something I'm having to experience. Um, but I think what's kind of I guess the closest thing I could maybe you know come to that is things to do with like racism and um just you mm. know things about um like islamophobia mm. and like all these things it's probably mm. the closest i could you know like maybe the closest comparison of kind of minority groups and um you know i completely the get best. with the kind of maybe the anxiety or like of being certain places and also just being a woman in general um you know but i'm yeah, not trying it's, to obviously it's both nice um it's both nice and yeah. horrible at the same time. And that's not obviously to put anyone's struggles, you know, no, to minimise it. No, of course. You know, it's just kind of a comparison that I was... When you were no. saying parts of that, like, say, feeling anxious and things like that, I was like, you know, everyone it's... has that kind of struggle that is that feeling somewhat universal to an extent, like, in some kind of area of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think people do need to kind of adopt some more just empathy for humans, you know? And... I think the I think the best way I can sort of sorry no, I keep no, on interrupting no, you fine. because I I've had a, a long 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 bit um, but I think the best way I can explain sort of um, just for you to anyone is uh, uh, to what I call the analogy of mirrors. Okay. So for a second, imagine you're in a box of mirrors and you can't get out. Every single every. You know, every single um, mirror has your reflection on it, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you are you 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 want you um you know, and you just utterly despise yourself on every level, spe- specifically because you are you know that you are not you know in the right body. You know that you are not you know mm. um you 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 know you're not sort of um. How can I put this? You, you, you know that you're not, um, you know, in the right body is the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. And just see, just seeing yourself and just thinking, I'm not in the right. I, I know I'm not. And you, you are obviously, as you're in that box of mirrors, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You have this anxiety. You have this sort of, why am I not in the right body? You, you, you just mm. find it hard to sort of rationalised carrying on fighting, even though you know that by quitting you will never get what you fully want. Wow. But in certain ways, in certain um in in certain ways at least to you when at least to me when I have uh footage of this um dysphoria, it's just thinking, well either Either I have, either I give up and lose the fight at the moment, mm-hmm. or I carry on pushing and get to where I want to be. And although, and although giving up and losing the fight at the moment will seem like the best, you know, mm-hmm. when you're um, when you're in a bad space mentally, you know, sometimes you just think, well, ending, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ending it is. Wow. Might be the you know might be the best option, which it never is. No, it isn't. I need to stress that it never mm. is. Um, but I guess I'm, 
you know, I just somewhere somehow need to find find the resilience to keep on fighting and know that one day that one day all the med- you know, all the all the struggles, all the, you know, nights thinking, well, why, you know, why am I why why did if there is a god up there, why did he or she or they curse me to this yeah. fate? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, well, hang on. If I give up now, I'm never, you know, I'm never going to get to live yeah. the authentic self that, you know, I, I, I quite rightly deserve. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that battle between it's hard, but you need to carry on pushing because pushing is the only way you can get through. Mm-hmm. A- and that's with any mental health issue. You need to carry on. You you need to carry on banging at the doors. Mm-hmm. You know until they break. You need to carry on, you know, you know, getting a, get, you know, getting a hammer and breaking down the door, you know, breaking down the door, no matter how many times it takes, because yeah. eventually that door will, you know, the the people building that door back up again aren't going to have any, any resilience to, to continue. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's a weird and contrived metaphor, but I hope you understand what I'm no, saying. No, I I completely get what you mean, and um. Sorry, just to kind of go back to the BBC thing where you kind of started uh, with this conversation. Like mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. it kind of gets difficult with journalism because, um, you know, obviously there's this argument of kind of maintaining integrity and making sure that both sides are represented. But I think when things budge into oppression, you know, or, or prejudice or you know things like that, I think that there is there is a kind of moral correctness. There's like a right side to be on, and I think. I don't think it's fair necessarily to represent both sides of an argument that is so like puts people at risk and whether that's, you know, race, religion, gender, you know, whatever it may be that there are certain kind of sensitive topics. Like we were talking about earlier, dark humor, things that are off, off limits that I think might need maybe a special kind of treatment where it's not right. You know, like if we're discussing racism, it's not right. I don't, see why i understand the bbc is obviously like national kind of thing and it's important to represent people mm. why would you show both sides of that like it's just some things there's a right and a wrong and if you have like the moral responsibility as someone who's providing news to the people and you who's being a middleman to show the right side of or that. middle woman yeah or middle woman know, of course middle woman you know just i guess that's kind of middle person yeah that's kind middle of the, person <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Some things we need to reassess how we're representing them because it can, you know, you can go too far and you can cause more kind of harm than good. You can, you can cause more harm than good. Absolutely. If you kind of I show think. both sides of something where there aren't two correct sides or even understandable sides. There is, there is you know, with, with these incredibly sensitive debates like... Um, Racism, mm-hmm. like uh, Islamophobia, mm-hmm. like um, homophobia, like all of these things. That there is not the the side the, the side which perpetuates um, this idea of oh, these people are bad people for just existing yeah. and having no control over what they are is morally. It's just wrong. I think the wrong side. Black and white. Because something you shouldn't. Whilst I'm all for equality and all for representing people's voices, I think that there's an issue in which trans and all minority yeah, groups yeah. shouldn't be subjected to people who could possibly harm mm-hmm. them. 
uh, and people who uh, could and do harm them. Yeah, and and then there's this kind of whole thing of I've been seeing a lot on on Twitter of people being like, oh, like if you don't, if you wouldn't be friends with someone who has a different political stance than you, then you're the problem. And I've been seeing this a lot, and I think that's a very insensitive stance to take because you know if you think if you have such kind of because yes. Because if you surround yourself with one opinion, oh yeah, then you're never going to be able to see the other side. I I can see that like the whole like echo chamber thing, but also if you if you kind of are so privileged that you can sit back and have such a kind of indifference towards politics, then you've clearly never had your rights um, or the way people treat you violated on the line. You know, what I mean, like I can't be friends with a Trump supporter. Why? Because They've done so many things that I consider wrong and that could even put me at danger, you know, at risk. So I think just to be able to be like, oh, well, put politics aside, differences aside, like that's such a privileged and kind of insensitive way of viewing things because that just shows that you have never had to struggle for who you are or you've never had to feel limitations or weird looks or people yelling at you on the street because of who you are. Do you know what I mean? Things you can't control. Yeah, things you can't control or even choices you make. Even like if I want to, I don't know, dress this way, act this way, be this way, that should be a choice. And I should be respected for that. I'm sure you would agree um, with certain... I completely yeah. agree. I mean, I would be... I, I would honestly be a complete hypocrite if I didn't agree with you, if I didn't agree with every single word you've said. Because I myself am, am part of a minority. Exactly. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to be, you know, what, what society deems as, what society apparently deems as, um, top of the food chain, I guess. Um, in, you know, exactly, top of the food chain, if you mm-hmm. will. As a bit, the, I mean, I am, I am a white mm-hmm. person. I am white, and there's nothing else that can change that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I will ever go out of my way to flex to flex my inherent privilege, yeah, and also not privilege, yeah, no. in front of people who don't have the same, yeah, yeah. Because to me, the whole idea of flexing privilege is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I just think it speaks to such tone deafness and lack of empathy, um, and just. Mm. It's just I don't know. It's just so ignorant and, and so it infuriates me truly. I can I could talk about it for hours on end. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get you. I'm gonna have to get you back on. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, and yeah. This is. I think. I. I think what I really really like about you and your entire uh, literary magazine <laughs> is that you do preach diversity mm-hmm. and you do you know, preach all of this. I mean, specifically, I mean, I, I've i been seeing all over Twitter something about a literary oh, magazine yeah. with a bird on it or something yeah, yeah, yeah. along that, those lines. <laughs> I mean, I I never submitted to them. Yeah. I didn't even know they existed. Mm-hmm. But I am so glad that there are people like you and people like, oh. um, you know, uh, the Young Writers Initiative mm-hmm. and, you know, the, and Juvin's Literary Journal and... Um, wrongdoing mag and yes, um paper paper cha- paper um paper crane. um oh the crane paper crane <laughs> yes. and all of the rest of them that do 
preach acceptance Mm -hmm. and do preach this narrative of no matter what you are we will accept you and we will hold your writing absolutely because surrounding this entire um conversation about the media and about representation specifically which is something i'm incredibly incredibly um passionate Mm -hmm. about it's important the what somebody produces is is as important as who they are Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely. I think, which is why I won't support people such as J.K. Rowling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because she might have made an amazing series, but in the end, she endangers my rights. Yeah, she endangers and infringes on who I and the rest of my community are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I cannot support somebody who preaches blatant hate speech. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Transphobia with hate speech. Absolutely. Um, oh, and really sorry. Um, on that note, could we take a quick um, break just for a minute? Yes. So I think we were just kind of chatting about uh, a bit about the magazine and how you know we preached acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, did you want to chat about the magazine? I think that was something that yeah, yeah, about. let's do it. Um, also a disclaimer here if this um, does get a bit long and it just seems a bit uh, weird I might do a um, outro segment and put a little bit of uh, this conversation where mm-hmm. I feel appropriate into the next yeah, just yeah, to make sure it doesn't take two hours <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I appreciate the time and the two hour one didn't really do that well so. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's completely fine I totally get that just cut put what you need to put wherever you need to be. yeah yeah, sure. You can also view the episode if you want, just to make sure I've done everything right. So. Okay. Right. So um, let's tra- let's talk about the uh, magazine. So yeah. let's say I was a prospective um, person who wanted to, who loved your magazine, who wanted to submit. How would I go about it? Okay. What so- was the process? And if you're able to talk behind, you know, to give a little bit of it um, behind the scenes to sort of. Yes. Okay. I'm quite interested in this too. <laughs> okay. So um, I am the social media executive, one of them for the Winner magazine. Um, and we have a Twitter, well, an active Twitter and active Instagram um, that I run. I run the Instagram. And um, yeah, so if you go to either of those, um, accounts it's at the winner mag um there are like links in our bios um and they'll take you just to our website where you can uh, submit uh we we kind of accept literature poetry and uh art so that includes obviously photography um and at the moment we're open till submissions are open until february 15th for anything on the theme of dreamscapes um and just for kind of some background knowledge i think you asked me this as well um Mm-hmm. about kind of how we started the magazine and mm-hmm. um, I kind of wasn't around for that I'm, I'm quite a kind of recent addition to the team but there are mm-hmm. 12 volunteers at the moment and we started in February 2018 and um, Rachel who is our editor-in-chief and, and the founder was actually working she's volunteering at a different um, magazine it was kind of like an undergraduate situation and um, she said you know she's obviously very inspired by all the work she saw but she wanted something, you know, to start a literary magazine that was outside of the academic sphere. And she's she has kind of very, uh, a very kind of 
unique taste and and that's something I really admire about Rachel is she's able to kind of pick out you know ideas and voices that are a little bit avant-garde a little bit kind of off-center and that's why I think it's so interesting to read like even before I joined the team I was a fan of uh, their issues we're currently on our sixth one that will be coming out uh, May 2021 um yeah so that's kind of why she started it um she started the Winnow magazine and now there's 12 of us working um you know on it and so yeah, just that's, that's kind of the backstory of how it started. So definitely keep your eyes out for the next issue. And uh, we're starting the kind of chat book series as well that should be coming out later this year. Um, and submissions will open for that soon as well. So definitely follow our so- social medias, you know, just to stay up to date. And yeah, that's kind of the backstory. So if you have any questions or anything. Awesome. Yeah, if you have any um, questions, they are incredibly, incredibly good <laughs> with answering them. I, I had a few. I did have a few and I DM the Instagram account and they just sorted me out quick, 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 oh. quickly. I mean, I've, I was, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether I can talk about um, whether I submitted. I don't know. Oh, right. Uh, I think, sorry, could you repeat that? I didn't quite catch the, the last part. I don't know whether I can talk about whether I submitted uh, or not. I think you should be able to. I mean, I don't yeah, know. we can. Um, yeah, so, so, so essentially I submitted to um, you guys and I'm waiting around <laughs> for the response is, is really it. And I'm just like, I hope I fit the, uh, the editor's I taste. Mean, I hope I fit her taste. Yeah, we have a few kind of, uh, we have a uh, literature reader and a poetry reader and obviously Rachel, who's the editor-in-chief. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think the great thing about it is that like we're always, you know, like we're always open for, some, well, obviously not always, but I think we're kind of always looking to the next thing to do and Rachel's very hands-on and she's very like she loves she takes initiative and she's very proactive to kind of like what's the next thing and you know in our we have like a group chat we're always chatting about like you know what's next so that's kind of the great thing about it like it's there's always another opportunity and like everyone's just so lovely and it's so good to work with them um so yeah mm. it's just great I mean I do I have thought about one day possibly um, starting my own magazine, and I just really, I really admire the people who can, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, do the magazine, do it, do the entire thing. I was talking to a, one another, um, so someone who runs a really uh, a magazine, and the amount of preparation and the amount of you know hours yeah. needed to go into yeah, yeah. it, it's absolutely ridiculous. insane. I mean, yeah. and. Hire anyone who puts forward the literary journal and anyone who, you know, does all of it. Yeah. Because yeah, writing a book is hard. I reckon I do tenth of the work writing my book that you guys do, <laughs> collating, emailing, and and you know doing doing five hundred of the other yeah. different things and all no, absolutely. Stuff. I think our readers, especially and everyone, really, it's just so much. Like there's so much like networking and and just back and forth and like, it's very much. Which is actually something I wanted yes. to talk to you about, actually, as well, networking. Mm, I can definitely talk um, about In terms of how would I go... It's, it's not so much how would I go about yeah. it, because it's we, we've done an entire two hours and 15 <laughs> minutes on that, essentially. But um, with Lossie, and it's amazing, and you should mm-hmm. go and check it out. I really, really admire Lossie oh. and what she does. She's amazing. Yeah, um, check that out, guys. Marketing. <laughs> it's the uh, marketing i think it's called publishing and a little mm-hmm. bit of marketing <laughs> it's uh it's 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 
it's it's the second episode mm-hmm. technically um because he's really don't have an episode order but um so how would i sort of like yeah sure i can um go around and sort of submit yeah. to literary journals you know if i for example get rejected from a literary yeah. journal how you know how would i sort of, and this is really on networking this is more going on a tangent mm-hmm. but, and, and more so dealing with rejection okay. but how, how is it sort of like dealing with rejection because i it's 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 something that i've um i've i've made an entire <laughs> blog post on it but i just want to, to see your sort of mm-hmm. views on the yeah, entire absolutely. thing i think um i think it's important to bear in mind that first of all there are so many journals and magazines um and everyone has their own taste and your work isn't necessarily for everyone and my work isn't for anyone uh, everyone and that's not that's not possible as someone who creates art of any kind you can't expect you know you can't kind of you, have that you can't exactly. please everyone um i think and, that's i think that's a really mm-hmm. important thing because otherwise so sorry i, I feel bad no, i feel no, 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 no. you i don't fine. please i want to hear uh, what you say but um i think i think for me there's an there's a whole a dichotomy between my writing just isn't mm-hmm. their taste and my i i got rejected i'm horrible oh. and i don't know whether you're going to agree with the sentiment i'm going to put across but no you believe it or not your writing isn't for yeah. everyone and you will eventually find somewhere somehow some mm. way to get your writing to its desired audience yeah. and i think and i think there's a danger of you know thinking i'm going to be the next jk mm. rowling because or the next you know um patrick yeah. ness or the next derek Flandy, or you know pick any mm. author you like but um i think there's a danger in thinking i'm going to be the next so therefore my writing writing has to be for yeah. everyone because even the most commercially successful authors mm. have people who despise yeah. them don't get on with their yeah. work. That's so true. And it's and it's so, so much about the marketing of the work as well yeah. in that case. I'm sure the marketing director for your literary journal would know way too <laughs> <Yeah>. much about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, I think, but um, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, sorry, as, as we were just saying, it's not for everyone. And like you were saying, if you create something, that's very authentic and I think for me personally last year was definitely a journey of authenticity and like understanding that like <laughs> it was for everyone. <laughs> yeah. it was for like, everyone. just being you know in isolation like during lockdown like you just really grow into at least for me I just kind of grew into myself and what I like what I don't like what I will accept what yeah. I won't and um so like just being if you're authentic it will reach the people that it needs to reach and you'll you know at the end of the day you'll find your audience and when you do it's gonna be like so much better than just kind of like faking this like narrative or like this style whatever it is you know for kind of people who don't appreciate you can't it. fake yeah, a style you can't. it's it's Trust me. it's very kind of see-through it's just ends up being awkward i, I think. Um... I once, I you know, I had a. I'm, I'm not going to say crush on Derek Landy, but I had a, I had a crush on his writing mm-hmm. style, put it that way, 
And, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to write like him. I'm going to be the next Derek <laughs> Landy. And then I thought, well, him and I are completely yeah. different people. Why the fuck am I trying to imitate yeah. him? Because it's not going to get me any fans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Realistic. And, like, I think there's... I, I think there's so, so much of a boundary between creating your own work, which is authentic to you, and just copying someone mm-hmm. else. Yes, you can be influenced by someone else and you can be influenced by something else. Hell, the 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 um, entire magic system concept <laughs> yeah. for Burning Throne is literally... The whole demon concept is taken from Demon mm-hmm. Road by Derek Landy. The entire, that, that, the entire concept... Mm-hmm. It's taken from Derek Landy. And so I, you know, I can't say that Derek Landy has influenced my work, but there's a really, really fine line between influence and taking. Yes, that's so true. And, and, and you need, and, and I think in order to be submit, in order to be um, found and create an authentic author voice, to be able to be featured in literary journals and to be able to be, I'm not going to say taken seriously in the mm. industry, find your fans who really 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 stand by mm-hmm. your side you need to be Definitely. authentic and you need to sort of not yeah. fake it because the second you fake it they're going to see yeah, through that and- people you might think uh, you know people you might see them on a on a, on a on a spreadsheet but they're actually a lot more intelligent than people give them mm-hmm. that's so true <laughs> and i think and i think you know businesses and whatever because let's be honest writing is a business your your literary mm-hmm. journal if I if I boiled it down and took all of the amazing personalities of it, it's a business. Mm. Let's be honest. Um, I my my writing, me selling books, me wanting to you know get the books and you know get my books into the hand of millions is a business. Yeah. And I think there's a really really important idea from business owners to not just see your customers as numbers but actual people. Yeah. And I, and, and I understand the writing style issue is something specifically to uh-huh. but it's definitely something you know if it's I, a sentiment you, you can really take away it's, you're you're, ne- you're you're never going to be able to be successful imitating somebody and not finding your own voice yeah. because one day you're going to think i don't like this writing style mm-hmm. anymore i don't like this mm-hmm. and if you write because yes your writing will change and you'll flow what i'm right you know what I'm writing in Burning Throne at the moment might, might not be what I do for my next series and the next series and might not be the writing style I choose for the next one. But that one shows evolution and I'm not afraid to experiment mm-hmm. with styling and I'm not afraid to experiment with how yeah. I work things. Because experiment, because I I think I, I think it was Neil Gaiman who said something along the lines of in order, in order to break the rules you first need mm-hmm. to understand them. And I think by imitating someone you're, you are being unable to to mm-hmm. for, to understand the rules and i'm not saying don't mm-hmm. imitate people because i would be a hypocrite um because I, I've, I've imitated people i have um you know entire pieces written mm-hmm. in the style of dirk landy i have the entire i have entire pieces written in the style of uh, ve swab i have entire pieces written um in various styles from varying yeah. authors i'm reading but that doesn't that doesn't mean I want to write an entire and novel. That's in that understandable style. because I mean and I think at the end Yeah, exactly. I'm not them. I don't have the way I write is a different way you write. If we both if we both wrote, I don't know, Burning Throne, which I have on this um 
on this table in front of me, which is my <laughs> own book. Please go buy it on Amazon if you want to and have money. Uh, please go do it. Um, but, you know, if you and I both were to copy a burning throne, I yeah. bet you we would have different ways. And I bet you we would take the character, for example, mm-hmm. Erica, completely differently and put her in completely different places because we are different people and there's yeah. nothing that can undermine that. And I think in order to be successful within the industry and specifically be able to, um, you know, sell books, sell yourself because like it or not, yeah. you yourself are a product. <laughs> I know that's sounds horrible. To an extent. And I, I feel horrible. I feel horrible because I'm taught, you know, I'm taught, you know, I'm taught, I have largely non-binary and female, uh, and mm. a non-binary and female audience. And I don't want to come across as sort of a, I'm objectifying <laughs> my own kind, if yeah. that makes it, if that, if that makes sense. Um, you know, so, so I think business owners themselves need to stop seeing people as numbers and, yeah. and as natural that, people. That because by faking your writing style, you're not getting anyone. You know, I, I don't know whether it's my, you know, going on seven years of experience mm. in writing. Yeah. But I can I tell if somebody's, it's just very if somebody's, like, uh, it comes off as just kind of uncomfortable for them. If somebody's not writing authentically, yeah, it, it comes off as completely just uncomfortable because for them to write and for you to read, and it's just not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a little mm-hmm. anecdote from Burning Throne here, but um, my 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 first draft was heavily in the style of Derek Landy, and whilst I love Derek Landy's work, I can't write a novel mm-hmm. in his style. Yeah. I can't do it. He has a specific way of writing, which I it just doesn't just doesn't work with my brain. It doesn't work with how I yeah. process the world and how I process things, which is how which is why it's so good being able to have different writing styles and different ways of expressing yourself, because you you just express yourself how you do you, and people will eventually come if you market yourself and if you network. There's also a really interesting sentiment of, and mm-hmm. I want to know your um, opinion on this, is the eighty twenty split. Oh. 80% who you know, 20% what you do. What do you think of the 80-20 split? Do you think mm. it's... Um, do you think there's much truth to it? Or do you think it's more like 70-30? Yeah, maybe it is more 70-30. I think it's maybe a little bit more neutral than than that, if you know what I mean. I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not very kind of mm. knowledgeable on this, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really can tell you. Yeah, it's fine. I just, I just think. I mean, Lottie probably would be um, a much, you know, a much uh, better person to have this sort of conversation <laughs> with. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not good. I'm just saying you don't have the expertise and sort of, sort of like, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't want to say you're inexperienced, but you don't have sort of like the. I don't know how to put this no, without no, saying mean. I, I think, yeah, I get what you mean. Kind of. No, no, no. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just don't want to tell me. I mean, I think I have things that I'm I'm interested in, and, and I'm, you know, I can discuss and and mm. things that aren't. And um, I think. But but yeah. Absolutely. I think the. I think I think you and I can have amazing conversations with, in terms of politics mm-hmm. and the political ideas around literature. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah. which i love and i and i think i think um representation within media which is something i've actually covered in every <laughs> single podcast i've done it's like a reoccurring segment mm-hmm. but i don't mean it to be yeah. but i'm really really into 
Um, you know, this, this this gives me a chance to toot my own. Um, but I, ha as you know, I have a, as I think you know anyway, I have an amazing character called Erica in Burning Throne. Um, and she's she's essentially a murderous assassin who's incredibly okay. sarcastic and amazing. And she's essentially yeah. the main character. Um, what do you think of specifically female empowerment within literature sure. and and how and how it's been done over the okay, years? Well, I think I think what you know, I, it's obviously it's getting better. There's more representation and there are more characters, mm. but I think there is still the issue of kind of tropes and like these archetypes that definitely hinder like female representation oh, yeah. in you know characters and books where there's you know if it's a male writer then there does tend to be obviously this isn't always the case but there tends to be you know the kind of mm, dumbing down maybe of women that you know for them to fit this kind of archetype of you know one dimensional there's a there's a subreset actually no, cool. so sorry i give an interacting girl for horrible but um because i realize i don't get i don't let people get i don't let guests <laughs> speak and i feel horrible for it um but it's about there, there, there's a there's a subreddit called men writing are men slash are slash men writing women which is a prime example yeah. of what you're going on about which mm -hmm. is the dumbing down of women and you know just describing them by their Either it's German is one of three things: mm -hmm. reproductive organs, yeah. um, body, or yeah, it's... body. And I'm like, mm -hmm. women have it's personalities very, like, too, you know. Dimensional, you know, view women, and I think it, if it's a male writer, it tends because to... it is women aren't mm -hmm. trophies, and apparently they can't be multi-dimensional women... or anything outside of just the slim, no. you know understanding of what a woman should be and i think when no, it's a female writer there's also this issue that's been you know circulating on tiktok as well of like the male gaze um where women will write oh, other God. women as these one-dimensional characters because men do it and because of this like weird just kind of like i don't know if it's like this intrinsic thing where you know there's like this sense of the male gaze which is essentially just a feeling that you have to always appeal to a male audience of some kind, whether that be like physically or like the way you act, you just constantly feel like you're, everything is performative and just, you know, and it's, I think it really hinders even female writers because it's a struggle to get out of. And I think it's actually shocking how young uh, girls start to feel this judgment and like judging themselves because that's how they think that they're viewed. And it's, it's definitely an issue and I think that needs to be addressed. Mm. People just, there needs to be a level I of think I, I also think that there's an issue Sorry. <laughs> with... Yeah. Mm. No, no, no. I, I, I did say something for, <laughs> I'm going to let her speak. Because um. <laughs> I've, I've, I've dominated the conversation no, don't, and don't, I feel horrible. It's me being raised <laughs> socially as a male. <laughs> it's me being raised socially as a male, I think, which is certainly contributing to it because, you know, the whole stereotype of men must dominate conversation, women must be <laughs> hiding in a cupboard or yeah, something. But... <laughs> because, oh, yes, 
Oh yes, women, women, all their good foes is hiding in cupboards. Exactly. Women, 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 go to the go, go to the um, <laughs> cleaning cupboard and just clean. And I'm like, I know. Women have more of a personality than just being your maid. That's you realise that? I think, is purpose in female characters. And you know, exactly. I think one of the most mainstream examples of like a character a female character with actual depth in recent years is probably from the hunger games which just because that's been yeah like the oh most yeah kind of and, um, example of this is like Kat Severdine being you know she was never like chasing a man or like hanging on to anyone like she just felt very kind of self-sufficient and independent and that's something that I think a lot of people grew up admiring in that character and the way she was uh, I think Sorry, kind of the, the um, provider for her family for a long time and how everything su- just surrounded her mother and her sister as opposed to this like quest for like romance that I think is so kind of just overdone in that way, if you know what I mean. Drilled into mm-hmm. sort of, it's, it's sort of drilled into um, yeah. culture that mm-hmm. man likes women, which I, th- which I think is one part of the issue of dominant heterosexuality within the society. And what I mean by that is man loves woman. Man finds women attractive. So man, you know, you know, man want woman, man have family. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry about that. If the uh, editing sounds choppy, it's because um, both internet cut out, my internet cut out. Um, but I think... I think that's because of a really, really um, dominant um, heterosexuality narrative in which you know, men, you know, men, men like women, and I think that we're not in the seventeen hundreds anymore. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> really, the man likes woman should be eradicated. Well, yes, I don't want to say eradicated because. Um, I think that's a little bit of a strong word, but I think certainly pushed to the side mm. as it's not the only way to be anymore. Okay. And it's not, you know, lesbian relationships exist mm. much, much sadly to straight men's pleasure. <laughs> and I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's sad that lesbian relationships exist because I myself am a strong female-leaning fem- uh, woman. So mm-hmm. um, I'm saying... I'm saying that um, lesbian relationships, um, as viewed through the lens of women are hot, so that's okay thing. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean. That's not only harmful in devaluing lesbian relationships, but that's also pushing this narrative of, um, you know, the the LGBT community is sort of a, you know, specifically gay, specifically gays and lesbians are. Mm sort of you know only play things for straight people and i'm like well no that's just as valid you, you fucking yeah. idiot <laughs> yeah just, absolutely. Be, and I just think... because this person likes a woman instead of a man doesn't mean she's any doesn't mean she's any less beautiful or amazing or valid in her identity mm-hmm. absolutely i think there's a real uh, kind of um underrepresentation no, go ahead. uh in like also sorry this is a little kind of going off on a tangent huh? but um with like no, platonic relationships as well, I think just in art in general, like even in music and things like that, there's this real kind of, I don't know, under appreciation of like platonic friendships and how 
there's often this narrative that like romantic relationships have more of a a profound effect on like us and more of an impact on how you know like who we turn out to be and all these things but i really think that platonic relationships are just just if like more important especially while you're kind of growing up um and i just yeah i don't know i just feel like that's really underappreciated um and so that's something that i tend to you know reference in my writing uh this idea of kind of it goes hand in hand with like nostalgia and childhood friendship and all these things that i just feel like need more attention what do you think i do i i do completely agree with that because again romance isn't the only thing that people have have you know yeah um if, if we look at if we look at people who are um a romantic for example mm. um they don't experience romantic attraction they're not going to want yeah. to get in a relationship romantically mm-hmm. they, they they might have lust they might want to get in a relationship with someone sexually but they're not going to want to romantically so they will never yeah. experience that romantic love and now i'm not suggesting by any suge- i'm not suggesting by any means that there is an issue wherein you know we shouldn't pander to the 1% because oh, yeah. arguably just because they're one percent doesn't mean we shouldn't make books for them yeah yeah because because i i I know i think there's a giant issue with you know romance you know romance between man and woman being Mm -hmm. so pushed onto people that romance romance the the word romance which is is what i take issue with i don't give a shit whether you're straight gay or whatever i don't give a shit Mm -hmm. what i'd be a hypocrite if i did um (laughs) but i don't care what your sexual orientation or romantic orientation is Mm -hmm. whether that's existent or non-existent yeah absolutely don't care all I care about is representation for the community that I myself am a part of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's. I think that's right. You know, I I want I I I don't like the overaccession of relationships. You know, mm-hmm. I I I mean, I admittedly pretty horribly um, uh, have a plot point within Bur- within Burning Throne, which is essentially mm-hmm. Lucifer ordering the sun to to get. Um, Erica, the new queen, Ferdinand, uh, and, uh, and you know, whilst that is a plot point for him to, and he does it to please um, his father. Yeah. Um, you know, whilst that's an integral part of the story, the story itself. I, um, I just feel a bit, uh-huh, you know, having mm-hmm. that plot line. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to remove it because it's, um, you know, what makes us what one of the one of the main conflicts within the story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, you know, it's 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 all of these things about personal growth and what have you. Yeah, you know, I think it's... and luckily, and I think, I think as a thirteen-year-old, my I grew up in an incredibly, incredibly heteronormative um, household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In which my dad, you know, I I was looked after for five years or so. My dad, and, um, mm-hmm. and and essentially the narrative I was forced upon me was, man wants man gets woman pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I internalised that up to the age of thirteen, mm-hmm. and which is why why I ended up, um, and I don't know why I kept it in the book. I think I think to me it's such a 
both wrong um, and creating conflict. Mm-hmm. And I fear, I guess I fear the whole storyline is sort of objectifying women. Mm, okay. But it's not really because Erica is so much more than just a mother to her child. Mm-hmm. She's murdered God knows how many people. She has God knows how many conflicts, whatever. So it's it's a sort of thing where I think representations like the one I've put forward, and I think it's a perfect example, though I'm biased because I wrote it, but um, I think it's a perfect example of, well, yes, you can have a sort of stereotype of, you can have a, you can have a stereotype and lean into it. Yeah. But if you make it so much more than that, you know, it's so much, I, 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 you know, it's all of my characters so much, are so much more than cookie cutters. Yeah. That's really biased. important. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think, I think, although I'm biased, I do, I am able to recognise um, what is and what isn't cookie cutter. Yeah, that's like, such an important instinct to have as well. Potential, because in the back of my, you know, I'm only really, really, I'm really, it's really hitting me now with the whole possible harm of that plot line. But, it, mm-hmm. but I'm also, I also know that. I also know now within the future instalments I'm going to really really make an effort to make her a a really 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 dominant force within Mm -hmm. and I think like there's this um, entire Mm series I feel there's this also this kind of I feel bad I'm sorry I didn't catch that I said I feel bad for the representative for for, for that specific little bit of representation Mm. um I think it's you know does make some pretty interesting arguments and plot lines in the later in the, later in the series though so that kind of make up for that I guess yeah yeah I think uh, there's also this kind of idea among any kind of artist or creator or whatever um, that like your art has to represent you in like your truest form forever all the time and this is definitely something I'm guilty of where I, I have this yeah I have this very kind of romanticized glorified idea of like like I, I tend to overthink things a bit because I'm like, will this? Mm. Will I like this word in two months? Will this still stand? Should I write about this? Is this temporary? Blah blah. Um, and I think that's kind of something that's like really important, you know, to discuss. Like I feel like that, along with like imposter syndrome, are very prevalent in kind of the writing. Oh, imposter syndrome! <laughs> yeah. Oh, how much I love. How much I love them. I don't. I hate them. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. Um, but um, I just yeah. think. It's you know important. I have imposters in my two fronts. I don't we all. It's <laughs> it's just. I mean, it's just very um. It's just kind of this toxic idea of like, I am my art. I am equal. Like, mm-hmm. I think we need to be wary of like I, equating our self worth. I think that's. Oh, I, I think that's an incredibly toxic mindset. Absolutely. And here yeah. and here's why. Your art does is not gonna. It, you are a human. You will change mm-hmm. from now. From the minute you Absolutely. write this piece of paper to, to, to when when you finish it, yeah? yeah, you will change. You you would have changed in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, from when you started the piece to when you ended it. Yeah, and like you don't have to make it um really, really, really sort of. You have it represent you in the moment. Don't have it represent you in four months' time. Yeah. Don't care so... about what's going to happen in four months' time. Four months' mm-hmm. time hasn't happened yet. 
you you are you you're representing yourself now in this second in this moment, and you yeah. need to write that bloody story. Mm-hmm. And and you like in this moment, definitely... you are going through, and what your characters are going through. Don't give a shit whether it's going to represent you in two in two four five years time, mm-hmm. because you know three four months after I published Burning Throne, I love aspects of it, mm-hmm. but at this moment, it doesn't represent me as a yeah. person. It represents an ideal version of myself, of yeah. what I wanted to be when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. And you and and, and and you might turn around to me, okay, well, you, you had four years to publish it. You had mm-hmm. four years to make changes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So I planned the entire series by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and I think that's definitely something that I've needed to hear as well. Of like, I think I still kind of have like bits of this romantic, romanticized idea of like writing and stuff where, and self expression in general, mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is essentially immortalizing like me like my thoughts my essence and like this is gonna one day be like a legacy blah, blah, blah. but that was definitely yeah. you know, kind of maybe a couple of years ago I was like that's that's how I viewed things and I, as I grow up I'm like I kind of start to let go of that just that grasp I okay. had on like not changing do you know what I mean and I think growing with yeah I, my I know exactly what very, you but, yeah but my question to you is mm-hmm. if we take somebody who's written a hell of a long time like Atwood do you think what she wrote back in, I don't know, start of her career represents her in the current moment? Do no, you honestly, can you, I know. Can, can, can I you look me in the eyes like, and say that? No. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I just um, think it's the like perfectionist kind of thing of like, I want oh, yeah, to I'm not, be me I'm not saying, in like 12 lines. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. But, but yeah. you're going to change between now and the end of that poem. You're going yeah, to change think... between now and the end of that short story. You're going to change between now and the next fucking word. Exactly, yeah? but it's just like, so it's like it's just... you can't sort of say that you are that art yeah, piece. I know, I know, I know. And I think the most interesting bit of people's careers when they die is looking back, oh. is looking back mm-hmm. and, and looking back at their careers and looking back how they thought and looking back at their literature and what have you, mm-hmm. because. It shows who they were at that moment, in that time, in that time frame, at that moment in their life, writing that book. Yeah. It's and... so personal to you and you mm-hmm. don't... I think I think the best message I can give on imposter syndrome is, fuck what you're going to be like in four months. Four months hasn't come yet. Yeah, um, that's so true. And it's just like... And also, and also, don't make it about representing you in four months. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's going to be part of your legacy. Yeah, but that legacy can change your life. And the second mm-hmm. you That's think, so and the second you catch on to this idea of it has to represent me throughout my entire life, it's the second that you're going to fail writing. If you get, what I, I mean. completely agree because it, I think that it's the like... second that you failed your you failed writing. Because writing is about representing you in this moment. Yeah, that's what's so in, beautiful about it. It's, it can be kind of sporadic. Well, writing such a, right like now. in the second exactly, and and like that was that fear was definitely in moments where I was obviously like a bit younger and kind of maybe more stagnant emotionally and mentally. Whereas when I started growing, like truly growing up and like going through like changes of understanding like who I am and like actually facing problems and having like things going on in life that I had to you know deal with head on to understand who I am where I was like wait change I think it really truly comes from like this inherent like just this this fear of change 
and once you kind of deal with that by changing you start to accept that like things aren't you know that's not how art works it's not going to forever be like represent you in the in you know then and there exactly and it's not going to represent you then and there exactly rather it will represent you then and there but it's not going to represent you in formats Mm -hmm. and you know this is gonna at the end of the day write write that write that piece in four months write the piece that you're writing now Mm -hmm. finish that and then in four months write another yeah four months write another Mm -hmm. even even if you get three pieces done a year that's reflecting you at three points in time yeah that's true yeah absolutely and i think um this might sound strange but i think someone who kind of taught me that whole idea is and uh taylor swift which if if you know me oh, yeah. i'm i'm a, I'm a big fan and i and i think she there's just you know she's dealt she's dealt with internalized misogyny and blah blah, blah. and i think there is definitely this thing yeah and, and there's this kind of thing in the media of like that i feel like she just has like a bad represent or she did for a while this bad representation of her being like <laughs> like like really that's why formulated that's why she released the album bad reputation <laughs> yeah um and i think <laughs> there's definitely this thing of like she makes formulated pop music and she's a woman who's successful and blah blah but um i don't care i stand by her oh yeah i was oh no. i was um, you? one of oh, those people it's okay I, character was, development i was a sort of i hate pop music pop but, music like, is bad men pop music pop. because again again it's the part of the misogynistic yeah. um view and and sort of Men, men are best. Yeah, women like, bad. That my dad like, holds. So hot. This day, actually. And like making fun of like what teenage girls like, and just all these. Oh, it's anyway. That's a whole different thing. But um, I think she has this real. I I'm gonna have to have you on for for, for another conversation <laughs> yeah, about absolutely. that. I um, think. But I think. Uh, bad kind of, you know, inaccurate representations. Representations per side. I think she actually is a great lyricist. If you listen to, especially her deeper cuts. She's a great lyricist. She's so good at capturing I, like a feeling. I definitely recommend you listen to some of her deep cuts, especially like. She's, oh yeah, she's, yeah. I've um, I've been meaning just to grab an album of hers yeah, and put she, it on. She is a great writer, and I think she's she has this whole thing of. Oh. Um, I do. I I have been. I, I'm not really going to say in the business of writing songs because mm-hmm. I've never yeah. actually done anything. I might I might actually show you some of them at some point, but Ooh, yeah. um, please do. They are. They um. They are. I think. I. I think in terms of poetry yeah. specifically, um, it allows you to be so much more vulnerable than you would in a short yeah, story or narrative, because within within a short story, you can hide behind a facade mm-hmm. of a character voice. In poetry, you can do that as well, and I'm not saying you can't, but what I am saying is that you are less likely to, you're less likely to hide behind a character voice yeah. within poetry because it's so much more concise. You because can't... most poetry. Isn't published. That yeah, that's and that's fine. That as well. Um, Most public. And um, I mean, I mean, if we look at people like Carol Ann mm-hmm. Duffy, yeah. I think, um, didn't, um, didn't show it to anyone. I don't. I don't. Maybe I'm getting mm-hmm. that confused with another poet, but I don't. I don't think she showed. She show. She, mm-hmm. you know, really spoke about her. I, I think. And I think. I think. I think. I think there is power in keeping certain aspects to yourself yeah. to yourself. And I think, yeah. I think, specifically within within the world of social media and social yeah. marketing, that you need to, whilst you know, being um, 
you know, being, you know, you need to show yourself, you need to show your personality, but also not spill yes, your guts, absolutely. if that makes sense. And um, I think... You can't, because it, it's to a point where your writing is going to get so vulnerable that there's nothing there's nothing else really that you're able uh-huh. to give people there, there needs to be kind of a level of maybe um, almost distance um but i think yeah sorry yeah. i was just gonna finish my point on and i think and i also think that that's um contradicted by the marketing because social media allows you to really really get into people's yeah, faces absolutely. but also there's power in getting it leaning into people's mm-hmm. faces and yeah, not going definitely. the full way that's what i think that's what really captivates um the audience and and um yeah and i think there's definitely this whole kind of epidemic of like oversharing in our generation i'm definitely kind of part of that of like oversharing i'm victim of it too even if it's like to your friends or like just like it doesn't have to be strange like it's just oh, yeah you know and um there is this level of openness with our generation that i think is both exciting but also kind of concerning um, and I think that definitely. I think, I think our generation, because we are, we are part of yeah. the same generation. Um, I do, th- I do, I do think you know, two thousand two, two thousand three, maybe two thousand three, mm-hmm. um, two thousand two, three, yeah. and four babies have what I call the epidemic of oversharing, yeah. um, which is you overshare too much. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and, and, I, and I think social media is specifically to blame for it, really. I'm not, I'm not saying it's the only cause, but I'm saying that it allows you to be so much more open. And with that openness comes power. You know, if, if, if we look at Twitter, for example, you know, you can hide behind a shield if you want to. Behind it, because at the end of the day, some people believe it's on a screen, so who cares? Is, is their view. Do you think? Do you think that's correct? Um, I can't hear you. Hello. Okay, kids, right. so you can hear me, right? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay, so um, oversharing is that where we are? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was kind of saying um, that, like, I think information and like entertainment, everything is so readily available, which is, I feel like that phrase is so like just overused and cliche at this point. But like, it's true. We have everything at our fingertips, and I think that makes like oversharing so much easier. And like, because information is so devalued. Um, and it's much less concerning than it should be just because we're used to being like bombarded with information and like overwhelmed with like what we're hearing, like whether that's like on the news or just from people in general, that when people overshare, it doesn't hit you as hard. And I don't know if that's kind of what you've experienced with it, but that's yeah, kind of I've, I very much experienced the same. Yeah. I do think uh, 2003, uh, you know, the early 2000s, maybe let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, do you have an issue with oversharing, and that's just because of the culture we've been we've been up, we've, we've mm-hmm. grown up in. It's not yeah. it's not any fault of our own. It's not that you know we've yeah. do, we've just grown up in a in a world where you if you like, if you like spill your guts yeah. and clean up the blood afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
That's it's incredibly graphic, but there you go. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the sort of thing where you have to be so, so um, vigilant with what you, what actually you go ahead and put out there because, mm-hmm. you know, there's one, there's one thing of undersharing and creating mystery, but you need to, and I, I think that's incredibly hard for up and coming authors because that is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Margin, margining, splitting up between the I want to share, I want to share to be able to feel like people know me, and I need yeah. to keep certain things secret. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Which I think is a really really nice place to end it because this yes. has been an amazing podcast. Um, I will really, I'm I'm really really looking forward to editing this one. Um, oh, I can't wait to hear the the final project. And um, yeah. it was be- great. Gonna see, that's going to be what I spend my weekend doing then, editing this. Because <laughs> of the um, amount of technical issues, which hopefully you won't hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really great talking to you and thank you for having me on. It's been great. Oh, of course, of course. I'm probably going to have to get you back on for the whole... <laughs> I'd love that, yeah. Probably the whole thing. Let me, just, let me just write it down in my diary. Um, <laughs> um, so this goes up yeah. on Mondays, is that right? Amazing... Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Back. I'll try. What can I say? <laughs> on um, to um, to probably talk about the um, racial injustices within writing, probably or something. Something probably, really interesting. Yeah, more imposter syndrome would be right. <laughs> there you go. Okay, great. Um, so all the stuff to say really is have a good rest of your day take care mm. of yourself like uh, like share and um and just spread this podcast around if you haven't uh, if you have reached the end thank you so much for uh, what for listening to um lajan lajan eugene i still can't bloody pronounce that name i apologize <laughs> it's all right. um just th- just thank you the listener for listening to the social mm-hmm. um social um issues and what have you we've brought up in this podcast and although it hasn't been um related to writing constantly <laughs> you know it's it's the it's the best the most authentic version of ourselves and what we believe that we needed to talk about right now this mm-hmm. week it's yes it might not be the entirety of writing but you need but it needs to be understood that this is a podcast which yes is focused on writing and yes it's the main idea behind the entire thing but if if need be there needs to um be social commentary as well because both mm-hmm. i and believe that social commentary and social uh, messaging is incredibly important and if that's a way i can get through to people then mm-hmm. i'll do it um just please make sure you um take care of your mental health make sure you just rest if you need to don't burn yourself out take care of your mental health if you identify under any labels yourself you are valid you are amazing take care of yourself have a good rest of your day and do you want to add anything um no, I guess anything no. that we need to promo will be below, hopefully. And yep, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for having me on.
Of course, of course. I, 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 I've, I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> I have to trust Just really take care of yourself. Um, please uh, follow any um, uh, health and gu- health and safety guidance. Uh, seek any mental health uh, support or any support if needed. Take care of yourself. Have a good rest of your day. And before I drag out this intro, keep on reading and just live because living your most authentic self is the best way you can be. Yes. Take care of yourself. Have a good rest of your day. And this has been Writer's Den for approximately probably an hour. <laughs> oh, just <one> <laughs> <laughs> hmm.